Hey there, it's Dylan with the Eat Well Podcast. So in this next few episodes, you're going to catch up with myself and my bison hunting crew. We're on a once in a lifetime hunt, hunting bison. And I think it'll be kind of fun for you guys because you'll be able to follow along on the whole process from everything we learned throughout the week and some of the screw ups that we had and eventually how things worked out. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So I've broken it down into three or four sessions here because we did quite a bit of recording and sitting around the cabin uh, telling stories. And, and um, so so with that in mind, I got to let you know, of course, again, we're in the field recording here in a cabin, less than ideal conditions. We're also working with five different mics and doing our best to level things out and keep everybody cooperating around the, the conversation. So um, yeah, so Hopefully it all works out for you. you enjoy it and uh, learn a little bit about bison hunting. We certainly did and had a ton of fun. So come along for the hunt. Hey guys, welcome to the Eat Wild Podcast. So I've been told to be more... Uh, uh, happy, excited, excited <laughs> when I deliver my podcast. I, I think I get there eventually, but I kind of start them all out with like this sort of like subdued Dylan, like trying to be like kind of semi, no, just right. trying to be factual about what's happening. <laughs> Anyways, we're hanging out. Um, I got a great crew with me, and it's kind of exciting because we're we're on a what I would consider a once in a lifetime hunt. We are on a we drove for about well, it's about a. 16-hour drive that took us about 32 hours to drive, <laughs> given the weather. And uh, we're sitting here in a cabin on the Blueberry First Nation Ranch, and uh, we're on a bison hunt. And I'm surrounded by my good friend Jenny P., hunter partner Jenny P., uh, Sean, who is a filmmaker and a, a new hunter from Australia, which we'll hear from in a minute. we got Devin here. Devin is an avid hunter and a very successful sheep hunter this year. He's got some cool stories to tell. And Taylor over here, who um, has been uh, uh, hunting for a few years now, but we kind of don't know each other, which is a bit unique, other than Jenny and I, and mm-hmm. these guys know each other. And our friend, um, Chris Prin, uh, talked us all into putting in for uh, a bison draw together. And then he went and broke his back and Rude. left us to figure out our own thing on our own here. So... Um, I don't know where this podcast is going to go, but I thought the, before we introduce everybody, everybody says hello, I think it's important um, we are gathered here on the traditional territory of the Blueberry First Nation, who have welcomed us to hunt on within their traditional territory and on their private land, which they own the ranch where we're hunting. Uh, there's also a couple other nations who share this territory. Um, according, I have this app on my phone that I use for when I do public engagements and stuff over, but there's uh, uh, the Beaver uh, First Nation um, is also shares this territory. And interesting enough that the Métis Nation also uh, uh, shares this territory. So, which is interesting for me, but maybe we'll get to that in a little bit about maybe why we're here doing this hunt in a little bit. So, um, but anyways, we got some cool stuff to talk about, but let's um, just start by saying hello and, and how did you end up on this hunt and it was kind of maybe where you came from kind of keep it short because we got five people here 
and uh, it's always difficult for our audience to kind of pick through. But let's start over here. We'll go around the table from the left, and we'll start with Jenny. How'd you end up here, Jenny? Well, I think we were fishing together when you found out you got this draw. Oh, yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> I was pretty excited. You looked at me and said, no. No. <laughs> you saw that look in my eyes, and I was fired it up, and I wanted to come out. And you're like, no, 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 this is a thing we all put in together. You can't, you can't come. And I was like, oh. So cool, that's great. Congratulations on your bison draw. I hope you get a bison. <laughs> it was a pretty cool moment, though. Like, so, it was a cool moment because we were, we were pretty excited. I think, we, I think this was Bud's Big Fish, which is this fishing derby that we, we host every year. And there's, I think we have about 10 boats that show up. We raise a bunch of money for mental health awareness. And, uh, and, and I, got the, I got the text from Chris that we had been drawn for this bison hunt. And, and, and to get drawn for this is like, what was it? What was it? What was the other? It was about 25 to 1. Yeah, 25 to 1. Yeah. So I've been putting in, no doubt, for, I don't know, 20 years or something. So I guess it all worked out. And <laughs> so I saw this text, that, and then I had to announce it on the on the Marine Radio to all of my other fishing buddies who are also hunting partners and stuff. So it was, it was a good chat. And then, of course, as soon as Jenny made the connection that there was, like, skiing and snowmobiling involved with this hunt, yeah, I knew it was going to break her heart that she couldn't <laughs> come on this one. Yeah. Hey, we'll go over to here to Sean. Yeah, so... I met Chris through a hunting forum, and he was kind enough to take me under his wing a little bit and introduce me to Taylor and Devon uh, when I first got to BC and, and first got into hunting. And uh, as soon as he said that you guys were going to be doing a bison hunt, I was like, yeah, cool, I'm coming. So I hope that's okay. Um, so I'd like to, yeah, I mean, I'm here to make a, a bit of a film about the, the story, and it's just a, a huge adventure. I really had no idea what, what to expect. I don't even think I knew So what I love about today's moment was like I didn't realize you're still not a permanent resident. So you and your partner wife made a decision to pull up stakes in Perth, Australia. Mm-hmm. Moved to Canada. Yep. And the and then as you're sitting there on your snowmobile, it's like minus twenty five, like revving your snowmobile with like a gun <laughs> strapped on your back. You're like, I should send this to the to the, the, to the citizenship like bureau to say, hey, I am absolutely Canadian, right? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. We'll vouch for you after this one. It's been a pretty crazy experience so far. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. Dev, how did you get here? Yeah. So kind of already brought up, but uh, talking with Chris and kind of just applying for LEHs, you kind of start throwing into everything you can, hoping that you get lucky, and come LEH day, we, I checked, and I was applied for all the, basically every tag you can, and I actually got really lucky this year, and I drew three LEH draws, so at, originally this kind of almost took a back burner to start the bison hunt, because I actually got a sheep draw this year, and then a goat draw as well, but once I started to talk to... What were the odds on that sheep draw? Uh, sheep draw was rated right on 100 to 1. Yeah. So that's a true once in a lifetime. Yeah. yeah so That's like once in two lifetimes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, which is funny. I've known a couple guys that had drawn that same tag, but it was... You see that in the in the like in your browser, and you're just that kind of just the other stuff just goes in the back burner for a while. You're not even really processing that uh, I got a sheep tag this year, so... Kind of looked at that. That was uh, beginning of September. So once that was over, I started kind of being Successful able to. Too. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. It was a really good hunt. Um, then after that, you're kind of okay. What what am I gonna do next? And yeah, I started talking to people about this bison hunt and how, like you said, people have been applying for decades and haven't gotten it. it's their dream hunt. And you just the passion that people had to be able to 
want to do that same thing that I got the ability to do uh, really got me excited about it and started planning and knowing I was going to come on it come out with a bunch of people that share the same interests and yeah and we're sitting in a cabin and negative 20 negative 30 degrees so <laughs> yeah no it's been good it's good awesome awesome yeah cool thanks for thanks for being here together yeah so um it was just again chris he's just like hey you want to do this bison it was like the last last minute thing on my um leh application and lo and behold you you pull it and it's like well i guess i'm doing it and now it's um <laughs> Yeah, it's like one of the more extreme hunts that I think I'll ever be on, but it's cool. That's great. It's extreme for sure. Yeah, um, just the weather and all the equipment you need, and it's uh, definitely an investment as well. So that's yeah, great. Yeah, and time too. So mm-hmm. it's like this. Like I'm a pretty geared up person. I, I've got a lot of stuff for hunting. It's been my main focus in in this life, and and uh, I was like. I feel so insecure, like even packing. Uh, so today we've been here for one day. We rolled in yesterday, and I'm, I'm even like packing at home. It, it felt like I started like three or four weeks ago. I started packing for real and like putting stuff in boxes. And I, I just didn't like. I just no idea what to expect in hanging out in what was forecast to be minus forty temperatures, dealing with a, an animal that could potentially be two thousand pounds. Um, Try to get around with like s- snowmobiles and snowshoes and and uh, I mean I just was I just feel t- totally overwhelmed even up till this morning when like I was trying to figure out what to put in the our Tupperware box that's going to go in the back of the sled like <laughs> what the hell do I put in here for the day like I would be like so cold and miserable and and yeah I, I just never felt I feel totally like um, yeah like starting at ground zero so and. Have, I don't even know what bison shit looks like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, that's funny. Oh yeah. So hey, I, I, I mean, obviously, I've wanted to do this hunt for a long time. Just because I've, I've been, a, I'm a BC resident and I'm a passionate hunter. And uh, but maybe the more interesting thing, or something I, I'm starting to think about now, and just as I was looking at my phone and trying to like, I want to do an acknowledgement of the territories we're hunting in, and. and and then I, I looked at my phone, and, I, and it was interesting to see that this is part of Métis territory. And I, and I haven't really talked to you guys about this, really, but... Um, so my, great, my, my grandfather's Métis, and I have, haven't really talked about that much, or even I've explored it enough, a little bit, to know my, my family tree and my heritage, but I've never really, like... Certainly, like, running a business is all about, like, hunting and gathering wild food... Mm-hmm. I felt like a little bit like I would be, um, uh, it'd be a bit phony if I started, if I said, Hey, I'm an indigenous person and I'm running this business about hunting and gathering. Wild. Like, I just felt like it would be like cultural appropriation to start talking about that. Given that like my experience of being an indigenous person isn't really like it. it I grew up on the West side of Vancouver. I really privileged lifestyle. It never really occurred to me that like, I didn't really know that I was that I had an indigenous heritage um, until I was probably in my twenties, and when I started to understand where my grandfather came from and his experience and his life experience and what he left behind and how he pursued his life going forward, and I, I didn't really know that part of my history. And, and then 
Um, even though, like, I, I did, I also realized that, like, we've never bought food from a supermarket or family. So, like, there is a connection to a heritage of hunting and fishing and, and, and gathering. And this was something that we do. But anyways, as I started the business, I, I just never really wanted to leverage that part of my heritage against what the business is all about. As a person that knows you, is it maternal or paternal? My mom. Okay. Yeah. So it's my mom's like, uh, so my, mom, uh, my mom's father, Wally Monkman, grew up on uh, on an island on Winnipeg Lake, um, um, Matheson Island, and it's a, it's a Métis community. And uh, he grew up there and, and he, uh, hunt, you know, hunted and fished and he had ran a trap line until he was, like, was 18 or 19 and then went away to war. Uh, to the Second World War, and then ended up going to England and fighting the war for three or four years. And then I met a British woman, and uh, they fell in love, and they decided to move to Vancouver of all places. So he was he he ended up in Vancouver with Megan Monkman and or my, uh, my 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 grandmother, and then they raised my mom and my my and and my uncle in on the next to the actually the Musqueam Reserve. They had a, they bought a house down there, and. Um, yeah, that was their heritage. And anyway, so what was funny is my grandfather still like he built bir- bir- birch bark canoes and uh, like would go and explore different BC rivers and took all the neighborhood kids out to like Pit Lake on the and, and Pit River and did all kinds of adventures. So he was very much living a what I guess was you know was a very much a lifestyle that was connected to his heritage uh, as a as a Métis guy. But he never talked about it, right? And because he was probably like because he didn't have to talk about it. And I think that for a lot of people, that's kind of a reality of of, um, of racism in BC, or Canada, sorry, is it like, you know, if you can get by without dealing with it, then, then uh, maybe you don't deal with it. So mm. Mm. Um, I never had a chance to talk to him about it and, and certainly I never really thought about it. So it's a long way of me coming around to saying I've never really kind of even made the connection in myself about my own roots and connection to to hunting and um and never really like kind of understood that and no sorry i understand it but what was interesting about going on a bison hunt is that there's a direct correlation back to the metis people who hunted bison Mm. yeah and even when i looked in the app today i'm like huh i'm in the metis territory hunting bison and for me that's interesting so yeah i brought my metis sash with me and uh and then at some point when we get together we're going to do a little something together um to sort of just recognize what we're all doing here together but uh for me that's why i'm here i think i I can explore that a little bit i'm talking about on the podcast i guess um and uh want to just kind of make connection and kind of acknowledge that it's part of my heritage and kind of Mm -hmm. get into a little bit so anyways thanks guys for being here and thanks for supporting us sure so um your grandpa didn't tell you what bison shit looked like? <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, Jenny, you can tell us why this is sort of super relevant to today's talk conversation. Well, I also don't know what bison shit looks like, and I'm here on this hunt, and I think, I mean, that's, you're looking up like, oh, how to survive in minus 30. Oh, where are we going? Downloading maps. 
The one thing a person might have Googled <laughs> what does bison shit look like? So anyway, Dylan and I put in a really good, solid effort tracking a moose today, <laughs> which really? we were convinced was a bison for a really long yeah, time. They had us convinced as well, so that's... <laughs> Yeah. Even we even tried to talk ourselves into that maybe if it was eating something different, it shit would look like this. But <laughs> so no. cold. No, no, no. No. I could add more to this story, try and rationalize how it was we made this mistake, but like I'm just not gonna, yeah. not gonna let that one just float out there into the ether and be wild. Yeah. We've got a good way to feel like what it's like to walk in that snow, and we cover some ground and. Yeah. Yeah. Warm up. The only part that I feel good about is that, like, we had we spent three hours sneaking up on this critter that we well, there was two of them. They were walking through the woods ahead of us, and like I thought that between Jenny and I and our white tail stalking techniques, we could sneak up on a bison, and we just could not get up on these two animals because they're a moose, <laughs> <laughs> are really wily, and and, abs- and this is the little known fact that moose are extremely wily. They're really hard to walk up on. And so I figure, like, we still have a chance at walking up on a bison. I think I think our uh, white tail techniques will get up on them. I like the positivity that came out of that. Yeah, you weren't mm-hmm. quite defeated today because yeah. it was the wrong species. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. Because I thought I can walk up on a bison. I can sneak <laughs> up on a bison, but not a moose. No. You got to practice in. That's the main thing. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, Sean, coming from a to- so, like, this is... I can't imagine the barriers that you may have perceived heading into this hunt. Give me the couple of the barrier, biggest barriers that you saw coming into this hunt. I think if I had perceived all the barriers, I probably wouldn't be here. <laughs> I, <laughs> I blindly agreed to do what a bunch of good people were doing. And I was like, oh, this will be fun. Let's do it. Um, it is, I think the coldest we got on our trip over here was about minus 32 which is about 50 degrees in the wrong direction for me. That was going to be my question. If you were still in Perth, what's the temperature there right now? Hot, on fire, yeah, yeah. Hot, real hot. Probably <laughs> 60 degrees away from here. So I think the coldest I've been is probably like minus 15. So the cold is absolutely something pretty serious. I've never worn snowshoes before, so that'll be interesting. And uh, never ridden a snowmobile before, so... You were ripping today, though. It's great, yeah. I'm getting one. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Easy sell. Easy yeah. sell. And, and how do you look for frostbite? It goes white and it tingles. Done. Yeah. Welcome to Canada. Nailed yeah. <laughs> well, it's I'll great. Have to check for that later. I think, uh, like when you you know you move to a country and you have a plan of big adventures and you're gonna do all this cool stuff and you get a job and you start paying rent and you know you just become a working stiff like everybody else. So to go on an adventure like this to see, you know a completely different part of Canada and have this completely crazy different experience is huge for me and and no matter what happens for the rest of the week I guarantee I'll never forget it so yeah I'm I'm just really excited to be here cool so Devin what was the uh, piece of equipment that you bought for this thing that you wish like you just never thought you'd ever have to buy (sighs) yeah so like the last I haven't really almost 100% of my hunts over the last few years has been via backpack so the whole idea of being able to bring kind of whatever I wanted on this was a little overwhelming um I think I probably it probably would have been those boot those over boot things I got they're working oh, yeah, out pretty those, well those are like moon boots yeah yeah I got a 
I don't have small feet to begin with, so throwing those things on, I got. I think I basically got a snowshoe <laughs> attached to my foot 24-7. But, yeah, just basically an over a boot that goes over top of my normal hiking boot and it's supposed to be good for cold weather it's like a gator slash boot uh built in and i've got I I, even, i've got like snow snow boot envy yeah i didn't even know they existed so they're working out okay they worked out well today and then i bought a white tail uh white tail specific bib which i never thought i would need like a tree stand kind of style bib what's keeping me warm on the snowmobile so that's what yeah it's good Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Okay, Taylor, same question. Coming into this, what was the what was the one thing you never thought you'd ever buy? I hope you tell me what I think you're going to tell me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so I found this really good deal on these mechanic coveralls. <laughs> they're quilted, and uh, they're khaki color. I look like a nightmare in them, but they're super glorious. warm, and, like, they actually worked real well today, even though it's a little hard on mobility. Like, bending over is... A challenge. No, you're like a piece of you're a piece of plywood. Yeah, you're gonna bust yeah. and I look seat. like it too. Like, <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> yeah. I saw some videos and was like, yeah, I don't look cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. You gotta spice it up a little bit. Maybe we gotta put some flair on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not here to look cool. I'm here to be warm. Like I just want They're to survive. Though, right? Yeah, They're no, working. it worked really well today, and today's supposed to be the coldest day. So I mean. You also look today. like you could fix any of those sleds. Right, but that exactly. that is dangerous because I can't. <laughs> so. Maybe the sleds don't know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, one of the guys who's so so in doing this this hunt, and I, and I think you guys probably all did this, but I've talked to every person that I know that knows somebody that has done this hunt, and I talked to them as well. So, like, I, a pile of research. And there's a few things that I pulled pulled from it. Um, one is the, like one thought was that my buddy Sean Hollingsworth he said you know like wear your normal hunting kit and then just get these overalls insulated overalls to go over top of everything and then you can jump on your sled run and then when you stop your sled you just like peel off your your thermal layers and mm. or the yeah the giant whatever plywood mm. suit <laughs> <laughs> um, I tried to buy one as well but it was actually it just won't fit over top of all my puffy yeah so yeah no I did yeah that's it's I actually might keep it though. I could just see my you know, down the road. I could see myself using it. But. I'm gonna wear them again. That's for sure. I mean, just like I don't know if you go clay shooting or something in the winter. I mean, that's like that'd be perfect for something it's like good that. Style too. Yeah, I yeah. can get them embroidered with yeah, Eat Wild on the chest, maybe <laughs> like a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a so there was a lot of um, so research. It's funny actually. Like uh, all the research that. That in talking to the biologist and a number of people that have already done the hunt, basically it boils down to cover as much ground as you can and follow tracks if you find fresh tracks. Bison tracks. No one said that specifically. <laughs> <laughs> so it's maybe why we went on. <laughs> so, so we went running up the trail today and our, we, were just, we were just kind of all getting familiar with this lens because we were very lucky to have Jenny. Well, <laughs> no one knows how Jenny got here because she wasn't. She was. She wasn't allowed to come. Yeah, that's true. Allowed to come? Well, be I wasn't on the original. You needed roster. You were, yeah. Were you on the original roster, Sean? I was always coming. Yeah. I just can't. I at the time I wasn't a resident hunter, so I couldn't put in for the LEH. Oh, okay. So I am the. But when they said they're doing it, I said I was going. Nice. Mm. I did that too, and I got a 
Head you got to bring so, a camera. There's a lot of egos. They like the camera. So can anybody fill in? So so Chris, our, who pulled this hunt together for us and put well, got us all together to apply for it. Can anybody fill us in on what happened to Chris? Yeah. So Chris had a. He was heading up to. Chris is a little bit of a sporadic guy. Great guy, <laughs> but um. Yeah, he's. I was kind of talking to him in the morning, and I knew we'd found some pretty high-level blacktail on camera in a spot in close to his house. So his plan was to ditch work a little bit early that day and he was to be able to get to uh, the hunting spot for that night. And knowing Chris, he's probably shaking all day long thinking about going hunting. He's, he's very, very ex- excitable. Very excitable. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he got off work and starts driving towards um, the spot not far from his house and... He's, he's not actually far from his house at all. He's not even probably halfway to this, to where he wants to hunt. And it's getting cold. It was was end of season, so maybe beginning of December. I think there's a couple weeks left. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. hit some black ice across a road. Actually wasn't wasn't speeding, wasn't on his phone. Just hit, hit a patch of black ice. And, yeah, I ended up taking his truck off the side of the road down an embankment and yeah it was pretty it was pretty bad it's it's all said and done it's pretty uh lucky he's in the situation he is considering he ended up having to crawl out of his truck and hit the sos on his inreach it was pretty ugly so he's Mm -hmm. recovering slowly but he's got a fracture back yeah yeah so he's got two 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 fractures in i think low back I think it's L5 L6 but hmm. something like a stress fracture where at first somehow he was uh, told that he would be able to potentially make this hunt still so, so this, this is where I thought I was like I would love to meet this doctor because they clearly <laughs> do not know what hmm. riding on a snowmobile is all they, they actually said you can't drive a snowmobile but you could sit on the back of one yeah yeah. It's yeah. even worse. That was the <laughs> surprise to me as well. Yeah, and then and they clearly don't know what a bison looks like. Yeah. Yeah, so I think what the I think the recovery time I, I might have been a little bit off on the time earlier, but I think he was around I think he had about two months, maybe even a little bit over two months from injury to date of leave for this hunt. Mm-hmm. And it was a, yeah, he got probably a little bit overly promised on what was doable. Um, it's just you can't really do much. He's in a brace, and they're not. It's not like they can. Oh no! Put a cast on it, right? So he's just got to take it easy, and this is probably the farthest thing from easy for him. So, so the good the good news for Chris is that not only are we doing this podcast, so he could basically be here with us as he listens to it. Um, we're also in cell service, which is an anomaly. We're we're an oil and gas country, so there's a number of cell towers around here. So we happen to be in in. in in service, so like as we were hunting today, and as as Jenny and I were like tracking down this bison that we were looking for, <laughs> we were we were able to like he's part of our message group on WhatsApp, so he's basically like messaging us, just like giving more updates, what's going on. You, you know, know, it's <laughs> just absolutely driving him crazy. <laughs> as simple as like saying that we saw tracks, uh, he is just sitting there at home with his kid but he's not at work right now so he's just his like entertainment is that whatsapp group of yeah. oh there's tracks like keep me updated what's going on what's going on so yeah. it's pretty fun yeah. i mean i i i mean i i was really hoping that today worked out 
mostly just so I could entertain Chris at home. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 hopefully we will. We'll, we'll, we'll come to that. Got to give him a little suspense, though. I mean, if, you know, mid, you know, tomorrow is fine. Tease him a little bit. Yeah, yeah. True. <laughs> Can't be too easy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, so we talked a bit about gearing up, and I, I don't want to get too deep, deep into the gear, but I'm more interested in, in what's, your, what's your strategy? What, what's our collective strategy for killing a bison on this trip? And... uh how are we going to go about doing it? And today we had a couple things happen today. Um, but Jenny, what what did you learn today on our on our mission? And what do you what, what do you think we should do tomorrow? Uh, I learned that bison shit does not look like moose shit. We don't know that definitively for sure. <laughs> Pretty sure, which is good because where we were looking. For that bison, it was nasty. The snow was a foot deep, and there was no shooting lanes whatsoever. So we were going to have to get in within 30 to 40 yards of this bison. Yeah. Which I was not... I didn't think that was going to work. And we were tripping through this woods that was super thick, and I didn't have a lot of hope, to be honest with you. So after a regroup and coming back, talking to the other people in our hunting party, and they said, this is where... We've seen legitimate bison sign, and we went and had a look, and we don't, we're going to, I think they're going to be in wider open areas, hopefully, so we can get a shot at them. I think they're still maybe going to be in those thicker trees, but we just have to actually follow bison tracks. Maybe. <laughs> Might be a help. But okay, based, on, based on what you guys saw today, I'm going to take the lead on what you saw today. So we have one, we're, we're day one to this thing. So what did you guys see today that, that's inspiring for tomorrow? What are you thinking about doing? Yeah, I mean, we actually pretty definitively saw some serious bison sign. Um, yeah, not far from actually where we're staying, we start seeing beds and sign of multiple large animals. And really, I mean... I haven't actually seen any cattle around here, and I've seen horses, but it definitely wasn't horse sign. So we're pretty definitive that we're on bison within, based off the weather they've had here, maybe a couple days down in the valley that we're staying in. So, yeah, it's very promising. I mean, we coming, like, like we said earlier, we didn't know what to expect at all coming into this. And, uh, yeah, we're, I guess one step closer to at least okay they're actually here now we just got to find them i would agree with you i feel like they're probably we're probably going to have to push into some of that thicker stuff than you would think to probably find them that's based off of just what i've heard from other people uh but yeah i guess we'll just take it day by day and see but yeah it's just just sort of give you guys the the landscape that we're working from we're on that we're we're pink mountain ranch and we're on the halfway river and there's no big secret because you know Obviously, if you get fortunate enough to get drawn, then you'll have, you know, the privilege to come here and and be one of, you know, ten hunters that might be here this week to um, come hang out here. And and the the valley bottom is it's quite a it's a broad, wide valley bottom with lots of willow in it, and of course there's lots of there's lots of fir and spruce mixed in. So there's lots of, you know, you can't see the whole valley bottom because lots of trees and stuff. So we understand that there's, um, or what we saw today is that the bison had, were down on the river flat where there's willow and grass, I believe, and 
it's snow covered, so we can't tell exactly what's going on. But and they they just like mow, they like stick their head down or something in the ground and like mow it around and and then they make all kinds of mess. It's pretty obvious that there's been bison around. So our understanding is that there's sort of a 50 miles of this valley that goes back and anywhere along there could potentially be bison. Um, we've also been told that, that like this late in the year or this particular year, the bison may have moved out of the country and moved to the north to the Sakani, which is a different drainage. And um, So we're looking for pockets of bison that may be around. So the only thing that's conflicting with like everybody that we've talked to is that, oh, the bison aren't here. And then we drove five miles down the road and there's bison. Well, it would appear to be a lot of bison sites. So, so it, it's, it's looking promising. Um, Taylor, you got a strategy for how you to get on your bison tomorrow? I, th- I think it's just a matter of getting on the sleds and, and um, just trying to find tracks or any sign. And then I think it's getting off of the sleds and actually following those tracks and putting on the snowshoes and actually putting in some putting in some miles on the feet. Yeah, so Jay and I practiced that today right. really well. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're feeling really good about it. Yeah. Like, apparently, if you can sneak up on a moose, you can sneak up on a bison. Right. So, we're like, we're working on that today. <laughs> yeah. But maybe our plan for tomorrow is flawed, then. Because we're not actually following specific tracks. Hmm. Yeah. So, Jay and I, so, well, going back to, like, the Chris thing. When Chris bailed on us, because he couldn't suck it up and uh, <laughs> deal with the broken back and just, like, get on a snow machine and drag his mm-hmm. bison out. Um, it did free up a spot on the trip. And, uh, and of course, like, I could still remember the moment of Jenny, like, jumping up and down the boat saying, I'll come bison hunting. Um, we were also together when you found out that Chris broke his back. Yeah, okay. And, and you're, like, we were having dinner, and, and I was like, oh, your friend broke his back? Like, That's terrible. And then it went on, and, full, like... I've actually broken my own back before, not to that severity, but I do have massive respect for the rebuilding that Chris needs to go through. Absolutely. And I've never met him, and I'm really keen to meet him, because when you talk about his energy level, I think we might (laughs) be be similar. (laughs) And also to give him, I don't think it's a thank you, but some sort of mad respect for the fact that I am lucky enough to be here. Absolutely. But... I said, oh, that's terrible that your friend broke his back. He's like, yeah, it's Chris. And I was like, oh, the bison on guard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so. uh, but it's been good. Because I, it's been really good. Other than, I mean, we're, we're hunting partners and fishing partners and, and pals. But it's actually been great. Because th- this trip, one of the one of the... One of the fundamental problems with this group we have is that none of us are snowmobile guys, and mm-hmm. and so Jenny, you're a well, you're you snowmobile, yeah, you have a snowmobile and you've been doing it for a while, so we're really lucky. So this morning, Jenny is basically giving us a crash course and you know how to operate our snow machines. Actually, the big, the biggest help was that as we were ordering, we rented snow machines and uh, and. We, we didn't even know what questions to ask. Like, do you have helmets? Do you have a spare belt? Do you have, like, fundamental things? And as soon as Jenny um, agreed to come on the trip in the absence of Chris, um, he immediately he t- took on the... Well, that might have also been the biggest screw-up of the trip as well. Well... <laughs> to date. To date. <laughs> Based on 
Numbers. <laughs> Numbers. So, so, so whoever was in charge of the sleds couldn't count to five. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, we, we came up with, with one, one sled short on our math, and we can't really figure out where the math went wrong or who was responsible for it. But um, having said that, it was great to have you, Jenny, just kind of take over. Um, the, the, just to have a high-level competency with, with sleds, and that helped our group just because we now we have kind of knew what questions to ask and make sure we had all the right equipment and had somebody that can actually help us, like, you know, organize our sleds and even operate them and, and in a couple cases, turn them around for me on tight trails. <coughs> so, yeah, thanks, Jenny. Um, the other thing is that for Jenny, uh, I'm a backup skier, so it's Jenny. So with I thought maybe the one way we could get after these bison was that if we cut tracks, like, I can't imagine actually snowshoeing after a bison in the deep snow, but, but backcountry skiing gives you the ability to, like, basically cross-country ski across these big open meadows and sneak up on these bison. So to me, that seems amazing. And, and none of you guys have done that as a, and hopefully you'll find that eventually because it's an awesome thing to do in your life. But, but Jenny and I are skied together for years. So, so we're going to, tomorrow we're, our plan, our plan is to go, we're going to try and cross the river if it's frozen and then try to ski through the meadows on the other side of the river that aren't disturbed by snowmobiles every day. And if, if there's bison on this side of the river where, where they're being disturbed, I'd like to think there might be bison on the other side of the river where they're not being disturbed. So that's our, that's our plan for tomorrow. So we're looking for a different group. Well, potentially, yeah. But okay. I think that maybe it's the same group because there's, there's some sign of them crossing the river. Okay. Short of just ripping up and down the road with our skis and looking for... for I think our plan's good. Well, gonna we're going to find out, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got to come up with some plan, right? you got to start somewhere, yeah. right? Otherwise, you just drive around. Well, one of my other favorite things to do is we've got Sean here, and he's an Australian, is that I live in Whistler, and I get to teach Aussies about winter, <laughs> which I really enjoy. Lucky. It's great. And I say, hey, what does frostbite look like? That type of thing. Like, if you can't feel your feet, is... Is that a good thing? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> that really cold. Today wasn't a good day then. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we got lots to talk about on this podcast, but uh, we'll we'll stop it here. I think for this sort of first hello introduction, give people we've kind of set the scene where we're at and what we're up to and what we're doing. And I think we'll come back to it and talk about frozen feet and some of the challenges we have on the way. And maybe somewhere along this podcast, we'll kill a bison and have lots more to talk about. So. Maybe tomorrow's about success. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, I'm sure there'll be a few more screw-ups yet. <laughs> cool. Anyways, guys, thanks for joining me here, and I appreciate you getting the start on this, and uh, 